Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Story of the creation, and tonight dealing with the creation of man. It's amazing what God has created. I do not cease, I think, to marvel at some of the things that I see, the places that I go that I can can observe something that I haven't seen before. And whether it's in the mountains or whether it's on the seashore or even in the midst of some city, I continually, as I'm sure you do, come upon scenes that are almost overpowering. And I can stand and look at a sunset or a sunrise or the waves of the sea or the beauty of a mountain stream or a waterfall or a wild animal, and I marvel at what God has accomplished. And the psalmist said something very much like it in the 33rd Psalm, and I want to read you some of those words. I went too far, 33rd Psalm. Uh, The first nine verses, when I assume it's David speaking, when he says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp, sing unto him with psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song, play skillfully with a loud noise, for the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Notice these words. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them By the breath of his mouth, he gathereth the waters of the seas together as a heap. He layeth upon the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. It's amazing to me that God spoke, and out of nothing was created this this marvelous world that we have out of nothing. I don't know if you remember, but last two Sunday nights when I came to the words and God saw that it was good. I want you to keep that phrase in mind. God saw that it was good when he had created it each day. But it was not complete. There was something missing. There was one more act of creation that he determined to do. And that is there needed to be something of himself inserted into what he had created. And it was not yet there. He had created the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, the water, and all the animals and the plants. But it was not complete. And then we began in the 26th verse, and so God said, let us make man in our image. Someone asked me last Sunday, I believe it was, 
To whom was he talking? Was he talking to the angels and saying to the angels, "Let us make God in our, or let us make man in our image"? I, I think not. I think he was speaking to the other people of the Godhead, to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, and he was saying to these two, "The three of us will make man." When it came to the creation of the stars and the moon, when it came to the creation of the earth and all that contains within it, it was the spoken word. God said, and it was so. But when it came to the creation of the being that we call man, it took a committee of three. It took the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit working together to bring into the being you and me. Consider the fact that we are the supreme creation of God. So important and so valuable and so complex that he did not even decide to do it by himself, by his spoken word, but the three of them had a part in making the being called man because he was complicated, because he was more, uh, was superior to anything that had been created, but most importantly, because into this creation was going to be inserted the very personality of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all rolled into one being a part of all three. So when we look at each other, we're not seeing just some creation of God. We're seeing God himself because he put himself into man. We ought to reverence life of man as much as we, nearly as much at least, as we reverence the life of God because we are his image. We're like him. He said to the Son and the Holy Spirit, let us make man, how? In our, a plural word, in our image. He did not say, let us make man in my image. Let us make man in our image. Let us put into man some of all of us, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, each having a different purpose and a different realm in which to work, into this person called man was to go a part of all three. Now, when God created the plants and the animals, one of the things that we discovered was that they would reproduce after their own kind. The fig tree would reproduce figs. The walnut tree would reproduce walnuts. The animals of every kind would reproduce after themselves. And in this creature that he called man, he intended that man would produce the likeness of the Creator, and there ought to be in each of us the likeness of God. That's how he made Adam. 
That's how he made Eve. Full of his likeness. His blood, the lifeblood of God, runs through our veins. The lifeblood of God does not run through the veins of animals nor of plants. He did not breathe into the animal the breath of life. He did not breathe into plants the breath of life. He spoke and they appeared. But when it came to man, he formed him out of the dust of the ground and he breathed into him himself, his own breath, his own life, and began the flowing of his own blood through the veins of man. Therefore, man differs from all the other creation. He differs physically. One of the things that man does different than the other creation is he walks upright. His makeup is very complex. So we can ask the question, does that mean that we physically look like God? No, I think we cannot say that we physically look like God before, because the scripture says that God is a spirit. He is not a physical being. When Jesus came to earth, the scripture tells us that he took upon himself the form of man or the likeness of man. He assumed the nature of man so that he would appear to man as man. God is a spirit. And we are spirit. Although we have some physical characteristics that are similar to the animal world, we have certainly some characteristics that are different. But a scientist might argue, look, you learned as a man to walk upright. One time man had long arms that struck the ground like the, like the, uh, uh, the monkey world. And finally he learned to walk upright and to uh, exert his energies in a different way, and I'm not going to argue with that. Now, we cannot say that man is different because he has a physical difference, although there are some. We also might argue that man is different mentally than all the rest of the creation, and I believe that's true. There is no, there is no animal that has the capacity to reason or to communicate or to solve problems like man. Science might argue, well, look, you just happened to, a man happened to develop a little faster and a little better, and he got a little smarter, and he had all the capabilities of reasoning. Well, that may very well be, because some animals are pretty smart. As a matter of fact, I've had animals that outsmarted me many days of the week. And you have as well. You try to catch an animal that doesn't want to be caught, and you figure out whether he's smarter than you or not. So I cannot argue that I am like God because I'm smarter than the animal world. Although I believe that basically I am. But all of science has failed to link mankind to the animal world in any way that has any scientific basis for doing it. You look in your science books and they will make that inference. But there is always a fallacy in the argument that they put forth. We cannot possibly have come from the same origin because there is no creature upon earth that has the personality, the likeness, the breath of God in his body except man himself. 
And it is this characteristic, this quality, that makes man different from all of the other creation. We did not emerge out of the mire of a bog somewhere. We emerged because we were a body of clay that God formed with his fingers and then he breathed into the nostrils of Adam the breath of life and he didn't become a living animal. He became a living soul, meaning that he had the very person of God within him. And it was never spoken and never intended of any of the rest of the creation that we hear about and know anything about that's referred to in the Bible that anything has the personality and the presence of God in them except man himself. And so that which makes us like God is that spiritual capability that we have. Every man is spiritual. And I'm not leaving women out, I'm using that in a general term, as the scripture did when the scripture said that God created man, male and female created he them. And the term man is used in a general term to refer to both male and female. God created man with a, a personality like God's, and every creature that has ever walked upon the face of the earth uh, reflects his origin. A little calf grows up to be like its mother. And man was intended to grow up and be like his creator. The problem is that Satan came along and decided to upset the apple cart, and Eve and Adam listened to his argument and fell out of a perfect state of spirituality and fell into living like all the other animals of the world who see no other purpose except to preserve his own life and to enjoy what he has. And man has lost the desire to be like the God that created him. Until some little spark comes along called the Holy Spirit and begins to deal with a sinful heart, with a wayward personality, and begins to mold and woo that person until they see that they have fallen out of the state into which, in, in which they were originally created, and desires to return to the state of spirituality in which God created Adam and Eve. When Adam fell, he passed on to you and me the inescapable fact that we are sinful and we will die in our sins unless we are capable some way of getting back to a relationship with our Creator, which we can't do on our own. And we've got to do it, as we learned in the Sunday school lesson this morning, through somebody else who will pave the way and make the preparations and set the stage for us to return to God. And that person, of course, is Jesus Christ. All right. What was the purpose that God made man? In the latter portion of verse 26, that we are to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and the cattle, and all... Uh, over all the earth and every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. 
we were to have, man was to have dominion, authority over uh, the whole creation. Fish. Well, we lost that one. I have no authority over fish, I can tell you. And that I can prove to you by my fishing record when I can't possibly succeed in convincing the fish to get on the hook that I put out there for it. So I don't have that one. I can't control even domestic animals, and I certainly do not control in any way the wild animals, and the insects are an absolute control over me, and mosquitoes and flies pester me without question. They don't pay any attention to my authority. And I can command and order all I want, and this whole creation pays no attention to me. It's God. That's what God put me here for, was to have dominion over this entire universe, to control everything. What happened? He lost his control when Adam and Eve sinned. And so we live today under the curse of having the earth bring forth thistles and thorns and weeds and the animals being in absolute disobedience to us, there is a curse upon the world. The blessing that God created when he put Adam here has long since gone. There's a little spark within us that wants to control. That's the reason that there will be a day in the future when the Lord will take complete control of this world and put it back into the hands of man. And the lamb and the lion will lay down together. And the little child will play on the den of the asp, as the scripture says, and not fear any stings. The world will be in harmony once again. That's what God intended. And he said to man, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. God wanted lots of children. He wanted children, however, that would worship him. And what have we done? We have produced children. Yes, we've done that. But we have not produced children that love and worship their creator. We ourselves do not do it as we ought. And we have brought children into the world who do not do it. And every generation seems to be worse than the one before until we have a society out there, we're a very small minority, a society out there that laughs at what's going on here because they have seen us blaspheme the name of God. They have seen us do that which is contrary to what we say we believe in. So God must not be very meaningful to us, and therefore God is not meaningful to this world. The day will come when there will be a few who will have the privilege of ruling with the Lord. There was not intended for man or animal to die when God created them. He made no provisions for death. They were to live forever. Sin brought death. And he's going to have to take death out of the way by taking sin out of the way and by reestablishing 
a condition under which life will continue forever. See, we have already begun that life. The day of your second birth, you're being born again, began your eternal life. You'll never die. It makes no difference what happens to this old body. Because this isn't me. What is me is that which God breathed into me and into you. And it's that which you committed unto God by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let me conclude. And I'm doing it fast tonight. Get you out of here because it's hot. In the last verse, God had made this creature very complex and put him here on earth, breathed into him the breath of life, and he was a living soul. Each time there was a creation, God said it was good. This time, God said it was very good. You see that one word added this time that he'd never said before in the 31st verse, and it was very good. The evening and the morning were the sixth day and the creation was done. Why did he make man? Because he wanted someone to love him back. Why did he make the world? Because he wanted some place for man to enjoy and say, this is yours. Let me conclude with this little story, which I thought of when this happened. As you know, my wife's in the hospital many, many times. She's had 20-some surgeries. The thing that I find out when I go to the hospital, I wouldn't probably wouldn't say this if you, she were here. I usually don't find her in the room. And I begin to inquire with the nurses where she is, and I say, oh, she's in so-and-so's room, or she's out in the lobby. Almost every time she's talking to somebody who's worse off than she. She's got somebody who has come to her for support and encouragement. Just happens all the time. She has her ministry in the hospital. A ministry that I can't begin to fill. Can't begin to. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.